Hello, and welcome to the Get Transformed podcast of Transformation Christian Fellowship. We are so excited that you're tuning in, and we hope that you will be empowered and transformed by the Word of God. I sense in my spirit what I'm about to release into your life tonight and my life tonight because the preacher is not above reproach. I feel like what I'm about to release tonight will change your very life. It's going to change your very life. And if you receive this word and you really receive it and you let it marinate in your heart and it takes residence and you do the word, I promise you that while it may feel a little uncomfortable, that uncomfort is going to breed a great harvest. Do you believe that tonight? Turn with me tonight to Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. And we're going to read verse 7 through 11. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. To those of you who are watching online, God bless you. I love every single last one of you that are online. Can you give it up for my mother who preached the word last Sunday? She did an awesome job. And we are glad about that. So we're continuing our series entitled uh, about the anointing today. And uh, for those of you, just to remind you again what the anointing is, and we're going to read Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 in just a moment. Again, the Greek meaning of anoint is made up of two words, uh, which means to smear or rub oil, um, which means, in, uh, and then there's another word, which means to anoint in Hebrew. Um, uh, then in Hebrew, the term has a secular connection, such as rubbing a shield with oil or smearing paint on a house or anointing the body with oil. Um, just blatantly what the anointing, as we've been talking about the last few weeks, is the anointing is the ability uh, to the believer by God uh, to personally fulfill God's purpose over your life in this earth. The anointing is the Holy Spirit working through you to fulfill a particular task here. Say, the Holy Spirit wants to work with me and through me to accomplish my God-given purpose in this lifetime. Hallelujah. Now let's go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 verse 7 reads, But what things were gained to me? These I have counted loss for Christ. Verse 8 says, Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for, who I am, who, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse 9 says, And be found in him not having my own righteousness which is from the law but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which is from God by faith I believe I got verse 10 up there that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death Verse 11, and I stop right there for, for our reading. 
if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. I want to talk to you tonight from the subject, the cost of the anointing. The cost of the anointing. I want you to put in the chat section and those of you who are in the room say the anointing is costly. The anointing is costly. Now, when I look at the word cost, ladies and gentlemen, you can use the word cost as a noun. And one of the one of the definitions for it, because I know my English uh, professor in the house, EP. Uh, <laughs> and so one of the ways you can use this is uh, uh, is the effort, loss or sacrifice necessary to achieve or obtain something. All right. So cost, when you look at it, it can be used as the noun. It's the, the effort, the loss, or sacrifice necessary to achieve or obtain something. Oftentimes, ladies and gentlemen, we consider loss to be uh, uh, to have a negative connotation. But in God's kingdom, loss is not bad. Loss is not bad. Matter of fact. Uh, loss can be a pivot in our lives if we allow it to be. I had to really think about that for a second. I'm like, in God's kingdom, loss is not necessarily a bad thing. Matt, I suggest to you today, in order for you to come into salvation, you would have to lose something. Celebrate with us the birth of the church. Pentecost Sunday, May 23rd at 5 p.m. online or in person. Experience dynamic worship from transformation music and powerful message from Pastor Brandon Hill. Join us in all white as we commemorate Pentecost Sunday. Transformation starts here. The anointing, when I tell you it's costly, I'm not telling you you can purchase it. There was a man in the New Testament, uh, Simon, the sorcerer, who wanted to purchase, say, hey, how much is it for what you have? The anointing, ladies and gentlemen, is not something that you can buy because you can't purchase salvation. (laughs) You can't purchase salvation. The way you receive the anointing, ladies and gentlemen, is at the point of your conversion. Because he's given you the Holy Spirit as a seal and a guarantee that you are his. So what I'm telling you is, is that when we talk about the cost of this anointing, this is me talking to you about what it takes for you to live in this realm of the anointing. What I'm telling you about the cost, ladies and gentlemen, is telling you what it takes for you to maintain, sustain, and thrive in the favor of God. Say, I have to sustain, I have to maintain, and I have to thrive in the favor of God. Ladies and gentlemen, the anointing, ladies and gentlemen, let's let's go to what Jesus says here. Let's back it up. Here we got it. Here we go. Mark chapter eight. I like this. For whoever, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. 
But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will what? Save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? God began to really challenge me and saying to me, like, Brandon, if you want to really be used up until you have nothing left, you got to be willing to suffer loss. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm invested in the cryptocurrency. I invest money there. I do encourage people. I'm not a financial advisor, but I do encourage you to invest your money. Huh? Well, <laughs> listen, I have to put that caveat out there first. <laughs> Don't do me that like that, EB. <laughs> so, I do encourage you to invest because that is a what we call a passive income. And a lot of times in the African-American community, we're not taught to do that. We're not taught to do it. We don't understand it, and therefore we don't benefit from it. So when investing your money, one thing I had to learn is, is that you have to be willing to lose. Because it's not always going to trend up. There are moments where it's going to bottom out. And in in certain stocks, it'll climb back up again. And it will climb up more than where it was. The reality is, ladies and gentlemen, we have been taught so much so that loss and to lose something is very negative. But in God's economy, loss is important for us to gain. Ladies and gentlemen, we are hearing this text. The Apostle Paul. And I'm really trying to contain myself so I can teach this early. The reality is, (laughs) EP is messing with me tonight. He is messing with me tonight. So, Paul, here in this text, the apostle, the great apostle. Paul, in many people's eyes, was great even before his conversion. Paul, ladies and gentlemen, was a scholar. He studied at the feet of Gamiel, one of the most known scholars of that day, of the law. Paul was very zealous, and he thought he was doing the right thing. And he he thought he was doing the right thing because this new movement known as the people of the way seemed to threaten the legality of what they were spreading. And here, ladies and gentlemen, he tells and he recalls and he really thinks and he talks with the Philippian church and he tells them that everything he did prior to his conversion, as great as people may have thought he was, he counted as nothing. Ladies and gentlemen, matter of fact, he counts it as a liability. And the reason why he counted it as a liability is because that he was in himself and relying on his self-righteousness instead of God's righteousness. And so everything that Paul has ever done until his conversion, Paul says, 
It's all a liability. Because I did it based on the law. And the law is a liability. And he said everything that I did with that zeal in that place. He said it doesn't matter. It's completely nothing. He, 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 matter of fact, ladies and gentlemen, he goes as far as to use a derogatory word as rubbish, meaning that it was almost considered dung. You think for it for yourself. <laughs> I'm not going to mess with y'all tonight. I don't know. Of course not. We're not doing that in here. We're a holiness church. Like, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing. <laughs> Listen, don't take that literally. So what he's saying is everything he's saying, his ancestry, his Judaistic zeal, all of this stuff, ladies and gentlemen, it absolutely doesn't mean nothing because what he's gained is far greater than what that was. Are you seeing where I'm going with this? Ladies and gentlemen, the ancient Greek word for rubbish means body exertment, meaning the confidence he put in his own flesh and righteousness before his conversion was worthless. He rendered it worthless, and now what he's saying is, I gave that up, counted it as a loss, because what I gained in Christ Notice what he does. He uses the title of Jesus. What I've gained from the anointed one <laughs> is far greater than what I've lost because of who I thought I was before I met Jesus. He said, I counted, ladies and gentlemen, as complete rubbish. It doesn't mean anything. And you know why so many people don't want to lose stuff because they value where they are versus what they can gain in Christ. And so when people value what the world can do and what they think is righteousness in their own self and, and call it living by their own truth and value that more than the anointing that Christ has for their lives. They're not willing to lose it. So Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Hallelujah. And the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, is Paul is telling the Philippian church, listen, everything you've done prior to your conversion doesn't mean anything. And he's trying to drill this in their heads because if he don't drill it in them, they won't be willing to lose it for the sake of Christ. And what he says here, ladies and gentlemen, in verse 8, in verse 8, watch what he says here. Watch what Paul says here to us. He says, listen, yet indeed I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. I want you to see this, ladies and gentlemen. He doesn't just say for the knowledge of Christ Jesus. He says for the knowledge of Christ Jesus, 
my Lord. Meaning that Paul is saying that before the knowledge of this personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, I count everything else a loss because of the excellency of this knowledge. Let me tell you something. It's great to know Jesus. It's great to know him. Because it's in knowing him where you discover where your anointing lies. It's in knowing Jesus and understanding what he's done for you through the cross, ladies and gentlemen. Not through your own righteousness, not by the law, but by his own very blood, ladies and gentlemen, where you can come into this naving knowledge and realize how great God is. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul is not saying for the excellency of him being saved alone. Because that's where people start, stop in their spirituality. They stop at the part of, okay, I got my way into heaven, and that's it. However, they forfeit the life they can have in here, which prepares you for the life you'll have in the next. Let me tell you something. You're not living for here. You're living for there. Because there, ladies and gentlemen, are crowns. There are things laid up for you in heaven if you work while you're here. Are you following what I'm saying? And in order for you to come into this, you got to lose. <laughs> oh, my God. This goes against what the culture tells you. The culture tells you go after your bag. The culture tells you to go after this and to that. And what Jesus is saying, you got to lose. Ah, I don't like Christianity because it's telling me I got to get out of myself. I don't like Christianity because it tells me my degrees doesn't do me anything. I don't like Christianity because it feels like I got to do this. Oh, no, 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 no. All he asks for you to do is lose yourself. Hey. And it's an open invitation. And it's up to you if you're going to accept it or not. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Ladies and gentlemen, he said, it's completely rubbish. But Paul said, I gave it up. I gave it up. And the reason why I gave it up, because I realized I have more to gain in him than what I have to gain if I keep what I have. The, real, the reality with a lot of us as believers, ladies and gentlemen, is that we're not willing to lose. You say you want the anointing, but you don't want to lose. You say about all oh, the anointing of the prophets in the old in the New Testament, I mean, excuse me, of the apostles in the New Testament, how Peter, and the very shadow of Peter, healed a man, and you talk about all of this stuff, but guess what? That comes at a loss. Oh, God, I didn't realize this. I, I didn't realize that it comes at a loss. It comes when I come to my self and realize that it comes in weakness. When I can really experience the anointing of God. So I begin to ponder this and the Lord began to deal with me. I didn't get in the house until two in the morning. My, my, my wife was in bed already. But it hit me like a ton of bricks. And he says, he says, I count it as a loss. And here's the thing. And verse 9 says, and I found in him 
not in my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is in faith in Christ. Again, faith in the anointed one. Are you hearing me? He keeps using the title of Jesus to make a point is that he's the anointed one to the Messiah, to these Jewish folk. Letting them know in this providence of Philippi that it's the Messiah and what you can gain from the anointed one is what makes the difference. And he says in verse nine, he says, he says, which in faith, the righteousness. So that tells me again, the only way I come into this anointing is by faith. I can't come into this anointing outside of faith. I don't care what people tell you. You can have faith in this God, that God, this God, all of them the same God. That's a lie. That's a lie. It's all a lie. No, you can't. It's either you trust in the true living God and experience what you have to gain in him. Or what you will do is suffer in the same state you were in. It's either one or two ways. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here's what he says, that I found it through faith in Christ. And here's where I want to park myself here. Verse 10, that I may know. Ladies and gentlemen, this word in the Greek, know, ladies and gentlemen, is actually used as a kind of a sexual intercourse, really meaning intimacy, really to become acquainted with, to know. Are you hearing me? And say, hey, say, that I may know. Here's the issue that I have with people. You're so hungry for knowledge that you're really not knowing Jesus. This, what Paul is saying is, I'm not just trying to know him through theology. I'm not just, and that's important. Right? It's important to have proper theology. It's important to have proper doctrine and all of that. But what he's saying is, it's not just enough to know him on that level. And that's why a lot of times, ladies and gentlemen, people turn agnostics. Because when they only know him on the surface and never have moved past the surface to really get to know him, know him, it makes a difference. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him. It's the same thing. Mario was singing a song. I want to know your name, girl. I want to know if you got a man, if I can't come over in. I was trying to get to know you, girl. Huh? Amen. I wasn't saying I'm just a friend. Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me stop, man. But this is what I say that I use that example to say, like, no, I really want to know Jesus. Because let me tell you something, to know him is to understand who you are. And to understand him is to understand you. Because the reality is, is that I'm trying to get transformed into who I'm really supposed to be. That's why Paul said, I count who I previous was as a loss. Because I didn't know who I really was until he gave me clarity to my purpose. Oh, let me let me let me slow down. Until he gave me purpose to and gave me clarity. Because Jesus looked at Paul 
formerly known as Saul and saw that he had potential and say Paul why are you Saul Saul why are you persecuting me hallelujah and he tells him why are you kicking against the gold the reality is ladies and gentlemen there's a lot of us who are kicking against the gold kicking against who you are made to be because you don't want to lose Aye, you don't want to lose yourself you value the crucifixion. Oh my God, you value your flesh more than you value the new man in Christ. And if you don't value that, or who you're really made to be, then what will happen is that you will fall and never experience, hallelujah, the favor of God like you should in your life because you don't want to lose. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him. I got to know him. He said, I got to know him. The knowledge spoken here is a personal knowledge. Gained, not gained by hearing or reading, but by direct personal communion with the Lord. We're talking about to know him is to really fellowship with the Lord, to really commune with him. And this is not complicated. It's really sitting down, shutting off the distractions and really like, Lord, what's up, man? How you? I'm here again. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you have. What, what do you want from my life? What do you want from my, what do you, what do you want from me? It's as simple as God, listen, coming to him and asking him, whatever, telling him whatever that is on my mind, having a little talk with Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, it's, it's here that I may know him and not just that, but I may know him and, do you see that? It says that I may, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So it's not just that I know him on a personal level, level, but I know the power of his resurrection. Why is it important to know the power of his resurrection? Because if you understand the power of his resurrection, then you know the power that lives in you. Now unto him, come on in here, who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all you can ask or think, according to the power that works in who? But how do you know that power? I got to know him. Oh my God, help me in here. Ah, I got to know him in the power of his resurrection. Ladies and gentlemen, a part of knowing Jesus and the power of his resurrection is understanding that the same, oh my God, spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living and quickening your very life. Don, pass me another face cloth in there. reality is ladies and gentlemen he said I want to know him and the power of his resurrection I want to know the power that rested on the anointed one thank you I want to know the power that rested on the anointed one because that power is what rests on me 
That's what I want to know. I want to know that power because if I know that power, oh, no, 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 no. I know this goes against humanism. I know this goes against new theology or new world theology that says the power is within self. It's you. You can think power and do this power and all of this stuff power. Grab the crystals and all that stuff like that. I know. I know that's what they want to teach you. But can I give you something tonight? Can I help you tonight? The power is not in any of that stuff. Power is in knowing the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you know the power and you know my oh my God, then you can live in that power. Then you can breathe in that power. Then you know that when low hell comes up against you, the power of the resurrection puts the devil in place. Shout hallelujah. It's this power. Hallelujah. It's not a man-made power. It's not something that you can manufacture. Hallelujah. This power, ladies and gentlemen, rests from the eternal God that had no beginning. Oh, my God. He always was. Hey, Corey, I praise you tonight. Ah, the reality is, ladies and gentlemen, who created God? Nobody did. He was eternal. He was the uncreated. Oh, my God. God. And he was and is and still is to come. Nobody made them. Nobody made this up. No Big Bang Theory could make this and turn this into what it is. There was a God that had to exist out of time in order for this to come into time. I want to know that power. I want to know the resurrection power that is not just in the sake that I can lay hands. But as I told you, it's the same power that keeps me to live. Hallelujah. It's that power that allows me to live in the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's that power that makes me to experience joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. It's that power, ladies and gentlemen, that keeps me when I feel depleted and when I feel low. It is that power that is made perfect in my weakness. It is that power. That puts a push right behind me to say you can do all things through Christ that strengthens you. It is that power. Say, I gotta know this anointing. I gotta know the anointing of the anointed one. Cause I gotta know how to live in it. And I gotta know how to operate in it. Ah, I gotta know how to operate in this anointing. If I gotta know them, I gotta know all of them. Hallelujah. And if I'm gonna get really to know them, I got to lose. Colossians 2 verse 12 says, buried with him in the baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith and the working of God who raised him from the dead. Let me, can I show you something more? He didn't just say, I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. He didn't stop there. But he said in the fellowship of his suffering. I'm not here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that this anointing is a easy breeze. You know, I ain't here to tell you that. 
I feel like enough people have told you this. And so when you walk in, try to operate it, and you're trying to figure out why you're getting all these attacks, it's because you didn't realize that when you start to really operate in who you were meant to be, then the devil is going to come after you. But when you really know him, you're going to know that you're going to suffer things. But the scripture said, after you didn't suffer a while, come on in here. I, after you didn't suffer a while, you'll come out established. Oh my God, help me in this room. Suffering is a part of the anointing. When I said to the Lord, God, use me until I can, till the very last drop. I don't want to have anything left. When I started this ministry, I said, God, I can't, if you don't, if you don't, if you're not with me, I can't do it. You got to meet me here. And one of the biggest things I always tell God, don't leave me out here by myself. Hallelujah. Don't leave me out here alone. But the reality is, even while you go through suffering, you're not alone. Because the anointing is still on your life. That while you go through the suffering, and nobody went through more suffering than this guy here, Paul. Hallelujah, because the church of Philippi was worried that maybe that would come upon them. And he's saying, listen, I got to know him. If you want to know Jesus, you also got to know him in his suffering. That's the same thing. If you're going to be married to me, you got to know me in all the facets of me. Y'all ain't ready to talk to me tonight. You got to know him. You got to know him in all every facet. I don't need your Jekyll and Hyde to come out. Everybody say amen. Who is this woman? Hey, where you come from? I was like, I asked a million and one questions. I'm like, I got to know you, woman. I don't care about your favorite color. Tell me if you got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> those of you when I look over there my wife sits there just for you to know I'm not just talking to anybody else in the church there's some of us who try to live right hear me let's do this let's work let's go to Romans I'm almost coming to a close, and we're going to pray, and we're going to be out here. Watch. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Say, I am an heir. Heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer. If indeed we suffer. The Christian life is about enduring to the end. In the book of Revelations, there are seven promises, and it all starts with, he who endures to the end shall. And it goes through each promise because this life is about those who stuck in when it was hard. And guess what? If you really didn't stick it in when it was difficult, here's what it says, that we may also be glorified together. 
again, suffering, loss in God's world is a game. <laughs> because if I can suffer, then I can also be glorified with him. And if I can endure that as a good soldier, then on the other side of it, God is able to then make all grace abound toward me that I may have all sufficiency for every good work. Come on and say, I hear you. My God, say, I got to suffer. I know you don't like this message because it's talking about suffering and I'm not telling you the Christian life is all about suffer, 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 but I am telling you, you are going to have to suffer and you are going to have to do what Ephesians tells us to do, to stand. Oh my God, having done all to stand, stand, hallelujah, with the preparation. Oh my, I got to stop. Listen, listen, he said, I got to suffer. That means I got to be willing to suffer. Paul snake bitten, Paul shipwrecked, Paul went all through this stuff. But because of all of this, God made him so great that he brought almost half of the New Testament. The miracles that flow through Paul, the salvations that flow through Paul. Why? Because he was willing to suffer. And he knew it going into it. Oh, my God. Jesus didn't tell you this after the fact. He told you this in the very beginning. You're going to suffer many things from my name, Paul. Oh, my God. You're going to suffer many things. But guess what? Because he was so zealous with when he was wrong, when I found the truth, he said, well, I don't care. I'll take it all on because I finally got the truth. And I left that so I can gain this. That's why Paul can tell you, for me to live is Christ. Ah, but for me to die is gain. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. That's why some of us, when we get to the very end of our lives, you want to live until you're 120. And the reason why, because you don't want to lose. But in order for me to gain life, I got to die here. But guess what? I don't really die, but I pass through death. Oh, I, oh death, where is your sting? Oh, I feel like an old school preacher tonight. The reality of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, if I'm going to get somewhere, I got to endure. I'm coming to a close. I'm coming to a close now. Here is what he says. Not only that, not only do I need to know him, and not only in the suffering, but here it is. But I do all of this to be conformed, hallelujah, to his death. Now, what are you talking about here, Brandon? You're telling me I got to die. No, this is not used in the context of being a martyr. Oh, my God, help me tonight. It was not Paul using this in the context of saying uh, of martyrdom while he would be one that was considered that. No, it's what Jesus said that if any man desires to follow after me may him first deny himself pick up his cross that means what he's referring to ladies and gentlemen is that if you're going to be assimilated matter of fact this word ladies and gentlemen is the same word we get from synchronize the reality is it's saying being conformed 
to his death. Meaning, ladies and gentlemen, for me to experience new life in Christ, I have to die to this old man. And in that death, I am being conformed into the image of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And that's why Paul tells you in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, hallelujah, our verse 18, hallelujah, being transformed, oh my God, hallelujah, into the image. Lord, he's saying, who will be willing to be conformed so that you can be like if you want to be like the anointed one, then you got to die so that you can be like him in the earth. <laughs> you got to be willing to lose. And what does this all have to do, ladies and gentlemen, with what we're talking about, the cost of the anointing? Here we go, Galatians 2 verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. Hallelujah. And the life, oh my God, now, <laughs> ah, that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ladies and gentlemen, when I conform to his death, that means that I am getting and stripping off this old man that was corrupt. I'm stripping off of those old behaviors. I'm counting them as a loss. Yes, you got to lose some people along the way. Yes, you got to lose some things that you really hold dear to. Yes, you got to be willing to give it up so that you can gain who you've been meant to be in Christ and let me tell you who you are meant to be in Christ is far greater than whatever image you had in your mind or whatever image you allowed somebody to try to conform you to <laughs> I got to really be, I got to be willing to lose Vernon if you don't like to lose then you're not going to want to you're not going to win not in God's realm <laughs> not in this walk with God hallelujah because God is looking for some people who wants to live in this anointing and say God I have nothing to lose but I have all to gain God is looking for those who are saying listen you want to operate in this glory you want to operate in this anointing well let me see what you're willing to lose let me see what you're willing to walk away from because whatever you're not willing to walk away from is what you hold more dear than what God can give you in this lifetime and also in the next. Hallelujah. Why don't you look at somebody and say you got more to gain if you if you just lose it. You got more to gain. It's if you just throw it away and say, you know what, God, I know I had this business opportunity, but something is telling me I got to lose this because something is on the better line at the end of it. I know you're telling me to leave this relationship because there's something on the end of it. If I had not 
gone through what I did in 2017. I never would have got here. I never would have had the confidence to say, okay, I can do this. But what I begin to realize in my life, when God began to deal with me on this message, it's saying, Brandon, you know why the favor of my hand has been on your life. It's because you've been willing to lose. And Brandon, if you want to go to the next level, you got to be willing to lose again. Because I'm calling you to a higher place in God. TCF, can I prophesy to you? You got to be willing to lose so that you can gain what God has for you on the next level. Stand your feet and encourage your neighbor in the Lord and say we go up from here. I said we go up from here because we are people who are willing to lose. Thanks for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. We hope that you subscribe so that you can continue to be empowered by the latest podcast. For more information on Transformation Christian Fellowship, visit our website at transformationchristianfellowship.org or download our free mobile app on the App Store or Google Play Store. If you would like to support this ministry, simply text TCF1 to 77977. We thank you for your generosity and for listening to the Get Transformed podcast. And remember, transformation starts here.